Hey, everybody. Uh, happy Monday. Happy Thanksgiving week. Thanks for being with us. We continue through the Gospel of Luke. Um, kind of an introduction of sorts today. The 15th chapter of Luke is considered by lots of Bible scholars and Bible readers as a special work. It is a showcase of three parables that are among everyone's favorites, probably particularly the last one is very well known, unique to Luke. Um, but Luke has organized these parables around a theme, and that theme is essentially lostness, uh, being lost and being searched for, and what that looks like practically, what that looks like simply, and then woven into what that looks like spiritually and relationally. And um, I want to try and we will probably take our time with this chapter because I think particularly when we come to the parable of the prodigal son or what's called the prodigal son, I, I don't think we'll get through that in one day. And so we don't want to leave you hanging on back-to-back days. So I, th- I think, Michael, maybe... Today, we just begin with a conversation about what we mean with this word lost, and and particularly what the New Testament has in mind when it uses a word like that. That is the anchor of these three stories that Jesus is going to tell. And for Luke, it has a, a very specific kind of idea that I think he's trying to share with us. This is one of the many Lucan themes. We've talked about this before, this idea that Luke is very interested in the lost, the outsider, the minority, the person who doesn't have a voice into themselves. This is in great contrast. I know that we've said this a lot in Luke, but if we were studying Matthew right now, we wouldn't be talking about that as an emphasis. In fact, Matthew is very much interested in talking to those who have a much more insider kind of knowledge, people who know the Old Testament scriptures, people who are looking for those to be fulfilled. Matthew is speaking to that audience. And so when Matthew gives examples or when Matthew gives quotes from Jesus, there's a lot of emphasis on either an awareness of Israelite history or an awareness of Israelite scripture that's taken for granted. And in Luke, this idea of lost is really an essential part of this story because as Luke goes on, you might remember, Luke is uh, really written as part one of a part two work. The part two of Luke is Acts. They're both written by Luke and they're both really a coherent story when put together. But Both are telling the story about how those who were at first seen as being not included, those being outside the realm of the nation of Israel, those who don't have the awareness of who God is, are invited by Jesus to come in the circle. And then both of these are stories about how that gospel, or in translated, that good news, grows outside of Jesus's proclamation to invite all of these people who were considered the lost, who were considered the sinners, who were considered to be the ones outside of God's salvific plan. And so Luke here, in including this specific emphasis, and then, you know, uh, we will see it in detail in the stories themselves, it's a way of Luke 
uh, portraying with Jesus's own teachings this core movement that's actually happening in the church, that this growth, this invitation to the lost, and and it's you know all the way from the beginning. So let's let's get into the occasion of the parables, maybe not the parables themselves, but let's look at what brings these about. If we just look at the first two verses here of chapter fifteen, Luke tells us. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling, saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. I don't know what more you could put about human experience and the gospel into two verses than this. Um, One of the most amazing things about Jesus is that Jesus draws people who are not attracted to his religious label. He, he's not, he's not, they're not at the temple. These are not religious people. These are people branded as outsiders. And, it, and again, as Michael has said, that really matters to Luke. So here we have this, this simple phrase, all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. You can read that over and, and not give it enough thought and enough depth. There is something about Jesus, his person, his words, his demeanor, his character, that bridges the gap between people of faith and people outside the faith, Um, people who are living lives where they're on the outside, or as Luke may come to call them in this chapter, lost. They, they are lost. They are wandering. They don't have a direction. That's the definition of the word lost. And here we get told that those people, the tax collectors and sinners, that's their labels that they wear here in this passage, come to listen to Jesus. And you would think, Michael, that this would be a celebration. Right. And for Luke it is, but not for everybody. Well, Right, because at the end of the day, these individuals don't fit inside the traditional religious structures that have been created. These people, by definition, Clint, are the ones who bear the branding of tax collector, who, who, by the way, that is more than just someone who collects revenues for the state. This isn't IRS agents who this is their job. These are a people of Israel who have agreed to collect money on behalf of the essentially foreign state that is occupying Israel, collecting money for the enemy. And then oftentimes tax collectors were known to collect extra money for themselves. So they are both uh, turncoats. They're really, uh, they're, they're people who are standing against their fellow countrymen and they're doing so to benefit the enemy. So obviously these people, it's not just that they are disliked is that these individuals are actively despised as as those who um stand outside the the group and then you have sinners which are very clearly the people who do not fit within the religious order and the the boundaries that was known by the people of Israel and what it meant to be Jew so so these are all outsiders yeah i think we want to be clear here that Luke is not using this word in a theological sense, whereas we would say we're all sinners. Right. Th- these are people who are actively doing things that their religious tradition forbids or frowns upon. And so um, when you hear that word, 
Luke is connecting it with a certain lifestyle and certain pattern of behavior. Right. We might be tempted to extrapolate from this some sort of philosophical, theological meaning, when what we have quite plainly is, this is the group of people not welcome at the table. This is the group of people who are literally not on the inside of the circle. These people are the outcasts. They are lost because they don't have a home. They don't have a person to call them in. And, and Clint, that's the heart that Luke has is to see how the gospel uh, finds these people in their darkness, in their brokenness, in their lostness. And it's a beautiful, uh, it's a beautiful vision of how Jesus has sought these out. And in this case, let's be very clear, they have sought out Jesus. And, you know, so Jesus comes into the world to be the light of the world, and these who are in the darkness are drawn to him. Yeah, they're moved by what he said. They they feel something that is drawing them closer to his truth and to his message. And just as there are outsiders would imply, there are insiders. And the insiders look at those who are coming in, and there's this wonderful word here, they were grumbling. That is a fascinating biblical word. It means to be negative. It means to mumble, to murmur, to complain. They don't see people coming to Jesus and celebrate it. They mutter. They complain, oh, Jesus is hanging out with them. What's he who is supposed to know something about God? What is he who is supposed to be a prophet of some sort, who who preaches these sermons and does these miracles? What is he doing with them? Why would he let himself be surrounded by them or be in their company? And and I wish, I, I wish, Michael, that this wasn't so prominent in the history of the church that we the church has done this over and over whether it's been racial whether it's been by gender whether it's ethnic whether it's those who live a different lifestyle and make different choices that the bible is never shocked by sinners acting like sinners the bible is appalled when christians treat them as if they aren't welcome or that they can't find their way to Jesus. And so uh, here, here we have this separation. The Pharisees and the scribes, the insiders, are grumbling, saying Jesus welcomes sinners and eats with them. He has fellowship with the wrong people. And if you're going to boil, a da- boil down the thing Jesus is most often criticized for, Michael, I think this would be a likely candidate, that that Jesus is criticized because he fellowships with the wrong people. Yeah, I want to make something abundantly clear, and Luke makes this clear, so let's be all on the same page about this. The Pharisees and the scribes are correct, right? Jesus isn't eating with people who he would disagree are not sinners or not tax collectors. No, he's eating, he's welcome sinners, and he eats with them. Luke makes it abundantly clear they are tax collectors and they are sinners. And Clint, the point to be made there is the Pharisees and Sadducees, the people on the inside, the people who have heard the the religious teachings and who stand inside the fellowship of the people of Israel, they aren't interpreting what Jesus is doing wrongly. He is eating with sinners. What they've missed out on is the reality that they were invited from the beginning. They they never even saw that in the field of possibility. That is, I think, the most humbling 
the most convicting part of a text like this is that every person of faith, everyone who stands in the tradition and way of Jesus, must wake up every morning with the awareness that it might be them, whoever it is, whatever gap or blank you would fill in there, that you are called to have fellowship with, that you're called to seek out and to find uh, within that person a connection. Because at the end of the day, Clint, Jesus is the kind of individual who defies the expectations of those who were looking for him. And there's something deeply wise in saying, yeah, they are tax collectors and they are sinners, and Jesus is dining with them. You see it right. Now you have to reinterpret and re-understand his relationship to them and his purpose for them. Um, And if you don't, then like the Pharisees and scribes, you'll be complaining and you will be grumbling. Yeah, so the scribes and Pharisees look at these people who are lost, the tax collectors and sinners, and, and they see only that. They see people who are unclean and unwelcome. Jesus looks at the lost and sees people who need to be found. And that's the fundamental difference. And it sets up what comes in the rest of the chapter, these three beautiful stories about things that are lost and things that are found, and what is the appropriate response to lost things being found. And that is, uh, that, that is the thread that weaves through the rest of this chapter. Luke does it exceptionally well, particularly in this final story that we will get to. But tomorrow we'll look at these first two parables and see how this theme begins to set up for what Luke wants to do ultimately with the the major part of the chapter. And one of the very contemporary parts of this teaching, I think, Clint, is the reality that we are all tempted to make someone lost and then want to keep them there, right? If, If a person is the outsider, we assume that they will always be the outsider. But Luke wants to make it clear that Jesus is always looking, and in fact, in one of these parables, uh, the parable of the lost son, we're going to see that God is never ceasingly open and looking and actively searching to reunite with those that are lost. And when we ourselves make the mistake of counting someone out or putting a wall where there should be a door, we are inevitably in danger of celebrating the division or the separation and not the unifier or the one who unites or the one who finds. what Whatever image is going to be helpful for you to understand, that's the force of the kingdom of God, is it reunites, it finds, it brings light to dark places. That's what Jesus came to do. And our human temptation, if we are honest with ourselves, is often to put boundaries up and to say, no, no, that, that person is that thing for now and all time. And the gospel, Jesus has no interest in that. So that's kind of a long introduction with just a couple of verses. We're spending a good deal of time here. But as I mentioned, Luke 15 is considered one of the great chapters of the New Testament. So we want to take our time with it. We want to make sure we give it an opportunity to speak to us. We want to try and learn as much as we can from it and uh, do as much work as we need to give it the opportunity to speak to us. So um, hope there's something in that introduction that is helpful. And more importantly, hope there's something in it that will help us as we get into the parables to truly understand where Luke is trying to teach us through them and what Jesus has in mind when he tells them. 
Uh, we're glad that you spent time with us today. Hope you will join us tomorrow for our final study of the week prior to Thanksgiving. Uh, if you've made this far, hope there's been something valuable that you give the video a like that helps others find it in their own Bible study, and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everybody.